Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we press pause on our normal program schedule to bring you select sermons from the recent Bible conference in Tucson, Arizona, pastored by Harold Warner. We'll return to our normal schedule next week. Until then, may these be an encouragement to you. God bless. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. It was a good year, folks. Praise God. You know, I grew up very religious. I've told the story a lot. My dad used to be quite a good gospel preacher in the little storefront Pentecostal church we grew up in as kids back in the Washington, D.C. area. And, you know, in all of those years, you know, we started playing instruments and singing in the church, but me and my brothers were never saved and never even thought we needed to be saved. Just growing up, very, very religious. I mean, you know, we had it all down. My mom and her sisters had a singing group, and we used to travel, you know, like to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware, the areas around, and she would sing in all the little affiliate churches, and they would pray for us and bless us, and we were the devil. We weren't saved. (laughs) But here's the thing. Nobody took the time to challenge us. I can't remember once anybody saying to me, young man, are you a Christian or you need to get saved? And we traveled and all the pastors took good care of us and they even paid us money, you know, for playing music. And back then it was only like a dollar twenty five. But to us, we were young kids. It was such a big deal. And none of them, we met the bishops and all. They never said, hey, are you a Christian? Have you been born again? I got on a plane after joining the military It was 1978, and I came out to Tucson, Arizona. I didn't even know what Tucson, Arizona was. And I got off the airplane. They didn't even have jetways at the Tucson airport at the time. You had to get off the plane and walk across that hot concrete. And it really felt like we were stepping into hell at the time. (laughs) I never felt anything like that before. And a gentleman met me at the airport. He was from the Air Force base. They had sent him over to pick me up. I was just a brand new recruit, just coming from the DC area. And he had my name on a little piece of paper. He was sent there to pick me up. And he said, hey, are you Carnegie? And I said, yeah. And he shook my hand and said, my name is Mark Rogers. I'm a born again Christian. What about you? (laughs) My first step in Arizona. And so I started giving him the religious spiel. Oh, I go to church. My dad's a pastor, blah, blah, blah. And he's all great. Then you would love our church. And I was in church (laughs) the first weekend of me coming to Tucson, Arizona as a teenager. And I remember coming to the altar and praying and thinking that they were all crazy because they just kept coming to my dorm room. Are you going to church? Are you going to church? And I got so sick of them. And I was like, okay, I know all about church. Why you guys keep coming and knocking on my door and I'm smoking weed and I'm doing everything. And then then I met Matt McDonald and a guy named Vince Redhouse. And they started coming and they just turned the heat up. You ask God to forgive you. You need to be in church. And I'm trying to explain to them I know. And Matt McDonald said, you don't know nothing. And I came to church, I think it was Brett Heck and a guy named Greg Morgan who invited me to a concert out in Reed Park. And I remember kneeling down and giving my life to Jesus, coming to church, like Pastor Webb said, prayed with me to get saved. And I tell you what, God has been so good over those years. And here we are here tonight. And that was 44 years ago. Wow, God is good. So, you know, everybody's been reminiscing, you know, because it's the 50th anniversary. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about something that was put into me way back in those days that I think is still relevant or should be relevant tonight. And I want to share this message with all of you. I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number 28. And most of us here in the conference tonight would be very familiar 
with this Bible passage about Paul the Apostle's shipwreck on the island of Malta. And so it's not an unfamiliar Bible passage. We all have heard it talked about. And I want to talk to you about when the, the serpent came out of the fire and fastened onto his hand and he shook the serpent off into the fire. And so I'm simply going to use as a topic tonight for my message, shake the snake. Everybody say shake the snake. All right, you got it. Acts chapter 28, just the first five verses. Follow with me. Here's what it says in Acts 28. If you're ready, shout praise the Lord. The Bible says, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. And verse 5 says, but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Lord, we are so grateful for 50 years of ministry. And because we're so grateful, we come to worship and to celebrate you. We pray tonight, Lord, as we come to the scripture that you've given us, would you just make it clear and open it up to us tonight, God, and just rekindle some of the simplicities that made us survive for 50 years. And we magnify you tonight in Jesus Christ's name. Everybody say amen. When I first went to Atlanta, Georgia, this is a very memorable story for me. When I first got to Atlanta, Georgia, one of the girls who had visited our church was in a very horrific car crash. And she was in a coma. Uh, they were pretty much giving up hope on her and a lot of neurological damage. And when I, I was asked to go in and pray for her, it was just a very sad sight to see her whole entire head had swollen and all of these tubes and wires. And uh, they were thinking of pronouncing her brain dead because of the situation. And in the room next to her in this emergency kind of ward was the boyfriend that she had who was also in the car when they crashed. So she's in one little cubicle and he's over here in the other cubicle. So her mother and the lady from our church who invited me are over here with me and the mother of the boy is over here on the other side. So my intention was they invited me to come and pray. So I'm going to pray for this girl first. And so I'm over here praying for her and the mother. I remember she said, you know, pastor, pray, pray because the devil is trying to take my child. Man, we laid hands on her and we prayed and we prayed and I spoke in tongues and I rebuked the devil and death and you know how we always do. And there wasn't any significant change, but I just felt good because there were so many people uh, out in the waiting room because of this boy and girl who needed a witness that God is a healer. And I just felt like God's going to show these people that he is not dead. He's very much alive. So I went over to the other cubicle where the boy was and, and I said to the mother, I said, listen, well, I'm going to pray for your son. And she said, no, I don't want you to pray. And I said, they called me to come and pray. She said, well, yeah, you pray for them, but I don't want you to pray for my son. 
And I said, did you hear what the mother said? The devil is trying to take her child. And she says, you know, I don't believe in all of that devil stuff. And I remember saying to her, I said, honey, you ain't got to believe in the devil. That ain't going to change him from still trying to take your son's life. And we didn't really argue, but she just kind of rolled her eyes and like, well, I don't want you to pray for my son. So I ended up going back and talking to the other mother and we prayed just a little bit longer. And she called me in two days that that girl who was about to be pulled the plug and pronounced brain dead, that girl had opened her eyes and was beginning to speak to her mother. Listen to what I'm saying. In just two weeks, she was out of the hospital walking, completely healed and sitting in church praising God. Hallelujah. Mm. Well, the boy still remained in his coma and he was still over there in the ward. The mother is trying. I kept asking the other mother, how is the boy doing? Well, she doesn't want anyone to come and see him. She doesn't want anybody to pray for him. And she was asking the doctors, can we move him to a special unit? They moved him to another place called the Piedmont Hospital. And they were just trying their best to get, you know, get him the best care that they could. Well, nothing worked. And that boy eventually succumbed to those injuries and he died. And I remember feeling so sorry for the mother because both the guy and the girl were in the exact same situation. One is alive and praising the Lord. And the other one has died. These people were involved in speeding and drinking and drugs and all kind of stuff. Without a doubt, this boy probably lost his soul the way his mama was acting. It hurt me that I was so close to him and God used our church and the people who went with me to pray to bring healing and deliverance to this girl. And all it would have took was just two or three minutes of us to go and lay hands on that boy and God could have raised him up. And I remember praying that morning and when they told me that he had passed away and I knew folks, I heard the voice of God say to me, it wasn't the car accident that killed that boy. It was his mother's foolishness. And I hope that doesn't sound too direct and too painful for some of you, but if God does a miracle for one, do you know he'll do a miracle for everyone? And it hit me, and I, I, I wrote the little story and wrote a couple of notes, and I had it on my desk for a long time, just adding some notes to it. And that's what this sermon is here tonight. Because people don't want to admit sometimes that the devil hates us. And there's a whole lot of people like this mother that don't want to accept the fact that the devil in the Bible is as real as God and Jesus. And because times are changing, there's so much intellectualism, there's so much technology, there's so much new learning, there's so much in, 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 in medical science, there's so much in philosophy, there's so much life that has been so enlightened in our modern world that people have just decided to dismiss the devil. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I learned very early, way back in the early days of this church, that the devil is the source and the cause of all of our problems. And even when there was times that you felt like you had a handle on what was going on and, and what was making you cry and what was making you depressed. Even back then when you feel like, okay, I know how to sort this out. I'm going to tell you something. The devil is still somewhere in the shadows and no matter what makes you hurt, no matter what makes you cry, no matter what makes you unfruitful, no matter what makes you depressed, somewhere the devil is at fault. So I read something the other day that made me decide that I wanted to share this message. 
I'd never preached it before, never even put it together. But it was in one of the Christian leadership magazines, and the gentleman cited a study that said 64%. And, and, you know, I like to use percentages, but so many kids nowadays don't even get a good education. I just, I, 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 if I say 64%, they're like, duh, what's that? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> no, honestly. So it, it, it's better for me to say it like this. 64 out of every 100 people. Listen, that's a whole lot of folks. 64% of religious people, this includes JWs, Mormons, Catholics, Pentecostals, Baptists, everybody that has some type of religious bent. So it's not just people like us or born again people. It says 64% of all religious people surveyed said that they do not believe in a personal devil. So I guess that means everything that goes wrong is just bad luck. I guess it's just karma. I guess it's just unfortunate happenings and situations. But see, that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that we have an adversary. And the scripture is found in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8 says we are to be very diligent. We are to have on our best guard because your adversary, the devil, said he walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Here's what the Bible says about the devil. He ain't no joke. The devil is very, very real. Uh, a gentleman got saved in our church. This was just a couple of years ago. And he came because he had fallen on hard times. He had lost his job through a number of situations. And because he lost his job, he ended up losing his apartment where he was living. So his girlfriend and his three children were kind of out. And so they were trying to raise money to stay in a hotel a lot of people do that over in Atlanta. So there, he's got his girlfriend and his three children, his little family there. They're all in a hotel. Uh, they're hungry. Uh, he doesn't have a job. Uh, the money for paying for the hotel is running out. And he ended up getting a flyer and just maybe God can help me. And he came to the church, answered an invitation. And he started talking to me about his problems. So he attended the church for about three weeks and it seemed like, hey, this guy's beginning to get it, you know, and I'm about ready to talk to them about getting married. And so I remember talking to him about all the problems in his life and I said, listen, let's pray and rebuke the devil. That's what I said to him. And he said to me something that I've heard many times since then. He said, you know, pastor, every bad thing that happens is not the devil. And I said to him, that's where you're wrong. And I can tell by the way y'all looking at me that all of this new wave of, of Christian belief and YouTube and stuff you're seeing on TV and stuff that you're seeing on the internet where everybody's talking about, well, you know, some people just bring things upon themselves. Yeah, inspired by the devil. I'm saying this to you because when I, when I was a young believer, I was taught rebuke the devil for everything that goes wrong. Listen to me. I even heard a preacher one time tell that old joke that some of you may have heard. It was an old joke that said God came out one day and he saw the devil sitting on the sidewalk. And the devil was sitting on the sidewalk and he was crying. And so God walks over to the devil and said, man, what's wrong with you? And the devil looked up at God and said, your people blame me for everything, even stuff that I haven't done. And the way they told the story and preached it was as if the devil is not the cause of every bad thing. You see, the devil is crying because everybody want to blame him for everything. And some stuff, it's just your own foolishness. Sometimes it's just you not thinking you having bad judgment. And I still believe that if it goes wrong, the devil is in it somewhere. 
Now, why am I telling you that? Because that was put into me in the early days in this church. That's how they used to preach when the evangelists used to come. They're going to cast the devil out of everything. They rebuked the devil for everything. And we had prayer lines that demons were flying everywhere. They was rebuking and binding and casting out. And I'll tell you what made this congregation so great and so successful is we were all bent on running the devil out of town. <laughs> See, when the Bible says he's your adversary, the word simply means that he resists you. Anything you're trying to do, the devil is pushing back. He is your adversary. The word means to oppose you. Come on, y'all say amen with me. It means that he is resisting. He is opposing. So every effort, everything you're trying to build, everything you're trying to do for God, the Bible revelation says there is somebody who's going to try to undo everything you do. Everything that we try to build, there's a devil who's trying to tear it down. Whether you're building a Christian life, whether you're building a marriage, whether you're building a Bible study, whether you're building a church, it doesn't matter. There is a devil. The Bible calls him the adversary. Come on, everybody. Oh, I can remember, Pastor Alvin can, can tell you, you know, Matt McDonald used to pick us up and man, he, 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 he spoke into our lives. We were young and we were just raw. But, but everything that he tried to convince us of is that anything that, that's bad is the devil. So drinking alcohol is not just a remedy for depression. It's the devil. Oh, I'm helping somebody right now. Smoking weed was not just a coping mechanism. The devil. <laughs> hey, he would even tell us, listen, he called, hey, I'm going to come pick you up for church. Oh, man, we can't come to church. And all we want to do is go play basketball on Sunday morning. And we're coming to get you for church. Oh, I can't come today. He said, you know, anything that doesn't want you to come to church is the devil. <laughs> Listen, it seems hilarious to you, but it's so true. And that was in our spirit and it was in our consciousness. And if we could get back to it, things could really change if the Lord tarry another 50 years. Because the first 50 were birthed with this attitude, bind the devil, rebuke the devil, cast the devil out, come against the devil. Come on, can you all say amen? And we didn't care what it was, if it was a, a headache or it was, I, I, I got fired from my job. It doesn't matter. I was tempted. Everything. You blame it on the devil. I'm telling y'all something right now. So we have a big problem that have to be addressed. And that is that people, number one, they don't even believe in the devil no more. 64 out of 100 religious minded people said they don't even believe in a personal devil who can be the source of, of problems and doubts and depression and setbacks in life. Well, I still believe that the devil is at fault. If y'all with me, say amen. amen. See, if you ever stop blaming the devil because you think you've advanced so far, if you ever stop blaming the devil, you look at me, you're going to blame somebody. And what you're going to end up doing is blaming other people, blaming other races, blaming other political parties. And then you give the devil another foothold because now he's creating division. Somebody listen to me tonight. If you ever stop blaming the devil, you're going to be fighting the wrong battle. Hallelujah. And it's fighting.
fighting the right battle that gives us the victory. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody jacked up and tore up like Brother Alvin say from the flow up? Or <laughs> somebody told me the other day, jacked up from the back up. I don't know what all that means. But listen, can you imagine you got all kind of problems going on in your life like we all do and then you got the nerve to blame somebody like Pastor Warner? Oh, y'all don't want to say amen. See, I done heard it. I done heard it. I got them phone calls. Hey, you know, Pastor Warner, you shut your mouth. Well, I, well, I tell you what, the devil, the devil, the devil makes people bitter. The devil makes people sin. The devil makes people quit. The devil makes people give up. It's the devil. He's your adversary. And if you ever ignore him and stop blaming him, folks, we are in for a world of hurt. Man, I had this devil woman. She came to our church some years ago. She was so sweet. She was so nice. And so she started fellowshipping with the girls and she started getting involved in some of the ministries and she would talk to me, Pastor Carnegie, I never met a pastor like you and what a wonderful church. And she would watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. And she was just going on and on and she, she kind of sweet talked her way into just about every activity of the church until the sisters that she was involved with started fighting against each other. And what was going on is in the dark and in the quiet, she'd be on the phone talking to this one sister about this sister. And then she talked to this sister about that sister. And then she talked to these two sisters about these three sisters. And she had all of this chaos going on. And when it finally came out, I mean, it was like almost a year of just girls not liking each other and creating all these problems. And I'm trying to figure what's going on. These girls used to serve God in church. Now they're complaining about the nursery. They're complaining about the drama team. They're complaining about the woman's Bible study. They're complaining, complaining. And I'm trying to figure what's going on. So I remember trying to counsel with her. Now, you know, sister. It's like she was too sweet for me to say, you the devil. See, that's the problem with somebody listening to me today. See, they're just so sweet. You don't want to say it, but you, you better say it before they tear up the whole church. And I remember saying, you the devil. I said, breathe again. You the devil. scripture that I read to you tonight God has told the apostle Paul that he's going to be going to Rome he's going to be a witness before Caesar this is a powerful opportunity to not just change one man's life but to literally change the workings of the entire world at that time for the gospel they shipwreck and then they go to the island of Malta. So the devil got the whole ship crash and everybody's swimming, trying to make it to land. And then as he's building this fire, the Bible says this serpent, this viper, this snake comes out of the fire, fastens onto his hand and pumps poison into him. And they were just waiting for this man of God to die. Well, he didn't die. Hallelujah. I said he didn't die. Because the Bible says greater is he. Oh, that is in you than he that is in the world. Does anybody still believe it tonight? And so the, hey, come on. So the apostle Paul, listen, the Bible says that he shakes the serpent off back into the fire with no harm. So here's what I want to say to you for the next couple of moments. 
when the devil first appear on the pages of scripture, he appears as a serpent. Matter of fact, the scripture in Genesis chapter 3, the very first verse, says it very clearly. It says that of all the animals that God created, Genesis 3 verse 1. Matter of fact, let me just read it to you so I don't make sure I, I say it wrong to nobody. It says, now the serpent, Genesis 3 1, now the serpent was more cunning Listen, then any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. That's a big statement. More than the lions and the tigers and the cheetahs and the cows and the horses. More than the hy- hyenas or, 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 or the, the, the sharks. And, and any, he said, more than anything God made, he said, the serpent was the most cunning and crafty. That's exactly why the devil chose the serpent. Because the serpent aligns more with the wicked, evil intents and agendas of the devil more than any other animal. Can you imagine if the devil chose a cow and started coming up? chose a serpent why because they're sly and they slick says they're cunning which means crafty and skillful in evil that's the serpent folks and that's how the devil appears the first time on the in the revelation of the bible everybody say help me jesus come on and so the apostle paul has this serpent. Here he is. The, 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 the very nature of the devil. And I'm going to tell you, every serpent has the nature of the devil. If anybody out here and you a snake lover, listen, I ain't hating. Just don't invite me over. <laughs> the devil chose a serpent for a reason. And you all have heard them stories of people with them pet snakes sleeping with them and stuff. And then you hear these tragedies about the snake just, he, he loves Sister Susie and she, you know, wrap around her neck and just suck the life out of her. You know, for me, all it takes is one. Just one person to be killed by a snake, that's enough for me. Come on, I'm telling y'all, don't be messing with no snakes. Moving right along in my message right now. (laughs) He shook the serpent off into the fire and there was no harm. Now, I know that everything in the Bible is there for a reason. Come on, folks, God puts everything in there for a reason. And he's showing you this exactly what every serpent would do. This is what the devil does. If he could kill us, he would kill us all. If he could rip us off and get us to backslide and to quit, he'd do it. And he tempts us and he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. Some of you here, he's been pushing you ever since we had conference last year. And he's been ripping you off and robbing you and problems in your home and problems in your mind and problems in your marriage. And here is why it's been so painful. Because a lot of people have not acknowledged it's the devil. And even when somebody try to tell you it's the devil, you, you, you don't want to admit that it's the devil. But just hear what our scripture says, he is your adversary. And I remember what John 10 says, that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Look at me, everybody. Anything that rips you off is the devil. Steal. Anything that kills, like drugs and alcohol and gunshots and violence and sexual transmitted disease. Talk to me, somebody. Anything that kills, it's the devil. 
cancer and disease and sickness. It's the devil says he comes to steal and kill and destroy anything that destroys anything that God is trying to do is the devil. And all I want to communicate to you in this message is we grew as a fellowship of churches over the last 50 years because we were so simple minded back in the 70s as to believe that you ought to blame the devil for everything. And because you can blame the devil, every service was a devil rebuking service. Every outreach was a devil casting out outreach. Every time we prayed for somebody, it was a binding the devil prayer. And it was the devil, the devil bind loose, rebuking the name of Jesus. And, and there was something in the spiritual atmosphere, something very dynamic that just wouldn't let the devil get a foothold. We just kept on binding and praying and pushing him back. Even though it seemed like it wasn't the devil, we blamed him anyway. Oh, yes, we did. Listen. I remember living in London and this really pretty girl shows up on a Sunday morning. She had this golden blonde hair. I mean, it was like the radiance of the sun. It was like that bright kind of blonde. And, and it was so pretty that when you see her hair, it's just like, oh. <laughs> and it was long and flowing. A white lady had blue eyes, kind of like Scandinavianish looking woman. And, you know, she came in. She was very well dressed. You know how the, 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 the well dressed British ladies do. They have these nice little scarves on. And so she came in, introduced herself, said, my name is Sarah Blue. So I remember Sarah would say to me that she has been a Christian for X amount of years. And I said, well, you're welcome. We're glad that you came to worship with us. And she said, you know what? I, I would like to join this church. And I said, well, just be around for a little while and see if you even agree with what we do. She said, oh, I can already tell. Sarah was dripping with lust. And over the next few weeks, just so many little things that she would do. I remember one, one of the brothers, Peter can tell you, she, she, she used to rub on his leg. Hey, brother. <laughs> and she came one Sunday and told me, she says, the Lord brought me here to be your worship leader. I said, I said, I said, we already got a worship leader. She said, oh, but, but the Lord brought me here to be your worship leader. She was so nice. You know, when I started telling her no, all the things she wanted to do, she manifested. So I was preaching one Sunday, not even a word of a lie. I'm not even exaggerating. I was preaching one Sunday. And she got up and walked out into the foyer of the church and she laid down on the floor in the foyer and started sliding like a serpent. Simeon is here tonight. Ask him. He can remind. He can tell you. And, and you know, they're, they're chasing her around and she's sliding. And they're, Sarah! And so they're there, praying, casting the demon. You come out, you come out, you come out. They're praying. And, and Simeon told me one time when they thought the demons had come out, she calmed down and she said, there's more. <laughs> Listen, the prettiest devil I ever seen. Here's the problem is she's coming to some of your churches. You know, welcoming, you know, we're what she's the devil. And she was gonna go through that congregation and fornicate with everybody she possibly could. Here's what I'm saying to you folks. 
The devil is real. And he has one agenda, and that is to resist what God is doing. He will challenge you every possible way he can to hinder any advancement in your life personally, in your marriage, if you're married, and in any church, whether it's a pioneer church or a leadership church, the devil is very, very real. I just talked to a pastor friend of mine on the phone asking me for some encouragement and for some advice. I said, what's the problem? He said, 12 people in his church just stopped coming. And these were all people of substance and wealth. It was helping his church to be a, a self-sustaining church. And they, they just left. He didn't do anything to them. He didn't do anything wrong. There was no abuse or anything. And he's just said, Pastor, what? You know, because now I'm going to have to go back and get a job. Things are, you know, and, and he's just so discouraged. I remember him saying to me on the phone, Pastor Marty, what do you think I did wrong? Where did I, I fail? Do I call them and apologize? I said, apologize for what? He said, I don't know. I said, well, you can't apologize then. <laughs> but the whole thing was tormenting his mind. What did I do? Where did I go wrong? Where did I fail? And I remember saying to him, I said, bro, have you ever heard of the devil? Yeah. I said, the devil is resisting what you're doing. And one of the greatest ways to resist a church and a move of God is to dry up the finances. He's pushing back. People are getting saved. Families are coming in and the devil is pushing back. And so people get up and leave. They don't even know why they left. I'll tell you why they left. Because the devil is your adversary. And in this message tonight, it, it, it's so simple what I want to communicate to you, and it is simply this, shake the snake. Hallelujah. I said shake the snake. You know, over in Luke 22, it's an interesting Bible passage in Luke chapter 22. Let me read it to you real quick. Everybody getting the message so far? All right, listen to Luke chapter 22. And I can tell you right now, the, the, the devil is somewhere trying to stop somebody from hearing this. Shake him off. In Luke 22, listen to verse 3. It says, then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him or Jesus to them. Now, Judas has been walking with Jesus all this time. Y'all know Judas used to cast out demons? Judas, he obviously had some kind of integrity before God because they let him hold the money. You only give the money to somebody you trust. It said Judas was holding the bag with the money. He's traveling with Jesus and, and he was there when Jesus anointed them to go and preach and cast out devils. Judas was right there. And then the verse we read says, then Satan entered Judas. Now, for a lot of people, when they preach about Judas, oh, Judas was such a bad character. Judas was such a dishonest person. Uh, listen, Judas had the devil in him. And he went out and made a deal for the 30 pieces of silver. That was the devil, folks. The Judas was one of the disciples, but the Bible says the devil entered him. And, and all I'm trying to show you, folks, is the devil can be in people. The devil entered Judas, and what he did was completely under the inspiration of the devil. The devil can be in the boy you talking to on the phone. The devil can be in the girl you talking to on the phone. The devil can be in the kids you go to school with. 
The devil can be into people you enter into business with. Why do why, why you think we have such a mess? Folks, the devil, he is an adversary. He won't let you build anything. But the, 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 the answer in the scripture is that the Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And Jesus makes it very, very clear that you have power over the devil. And this scripture tells us very simply that this man, the apostle Paul, just shook the devil off. Y'all say it again, say shake the snake. Mm-hmm. Now listen, when I was growing up in this church, there were two songs that was kind of like the anthem. And you know, we got all these fancy songs now. And I love them all. But those weren't the songs that we grew up on. You know, these songs now have two or three verses and a bridge and two or three choruses and all these beautiful key changes. And you know, it, it, it's, it's just so lovely to hear. But y'all know we didn't sing like that. Everybody who got saved back in the 70s in this church, remember, we didn't sing like that. And guess what? We had revival. Folks now got all the fancy songs and just like, where's God? Just listen. Listen, I ain't trying to meddle with nobody. Just listen to what I'm saying for a minute. (laughs) We used to sing a song that went like this. I command you, Satan, in the name of, oh, y'all know it, hey, to take up your weapons and flee. Y'all remember that? For the Lord has given authority to all over the, can you think, hold on, hold on, think about a church service. You know, just Jesus, I love you. We didn't sing like that. I command you, Satan. And then we start stomping up, stomping up. You know why? (laughs) Because we were taught the devil is messing with us. Messing with our children and messing with our mind and messing with our money. And when you came to church, you're ready to do some war. I command you, Satan, in the... (laughs) The other song was, I went to the enemy's camp. Oh, yeah, come on. And I, I took back what he stole from me. Okay, stop. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. This was the worship service. This is how we praise the Lord by rebuking the devil. And we encourage going to the enemy's camp and we're taking back everything. If our mind was getting crazy, we're taking back our sanity. Come on. We're going to the enemy's camp and taking back everything. And folks, can you imagine the, the, how the devil in that service start getting nervous? The devil, woo! Somebody say, shake the snake. And then the devil get nervous in that environment and you just start singing and you can see him. He start backing up. I command you, Satan, in the name. Hey! Then you say, hey, whole devil, you got to go! Listen, Holy Ghost churches have power over devils and demons. Hallelujah. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Mm. He said, just like a flash of lightning. That's how the devil was thrown out of heaven. In other words, the devil got a whole lot of smoke, but he ain't nobody. He has been stripped by Jesus. Come on, say amen. 
And if you want to walk in that victory, then you hold on to Jesus' hand. Come on, say amen. You get in Jesus' church. You become, like Pastor Warner said, one of Jesus' people. And guess what? You have power over the enemy. The devil ought not to be running roughshod over people who speak in tongues. Come on, everybody. He said, I saw him fall. Now, he said that because the disciples had gone out and they saw demons coming out and they saw healings and they came back and were telling Jesus, guess what? Devils are subject to us. And it's like Jesus was saying, why are you acting surprised? They they were given a report. Lord, guess what? We prayed for people and then they got healed. We, We prayed for demons and they came out and they were like, celebrate. And Jesus was like, why y'all tripping? I saw Satan fall like lightning. Of course you're supposed to pray and they get healed. Of course you're supposed to cast out demons and they come out. Of course, because Satan has been dethroned. Say amen. No, don't say amen. Say shake the snake. In other words, what he's saying, he said, you have the power and the dominion given to you by God. The problem today is people just won't acknowledge that the devil is their adversary. And they won't admit that the devil is causing all of the problems. People want to act like they can administrate everything that goes wrong. That they can fix everything that goes wrong. This is one of the problems when we're trying to disciple people. We give them good judgment. We make good decisions. And then they think they can decision everything that the devil is doing y'all don't want to say amen I say amen for all y'all amen you teach people to be disciplined and all of that kind of stuff and all of a sudden when the devil is fighting they think that they got a plan A a plan B and a plan C and they can somehow work it out I'm going to tell you the devil is against you And what you do is you rebuke the devil, you cast the devil out, you take authority of the devil, and you stomp the devil under your feet. (sighs) Listen, I remember when me and Brother Alvin were in the military out here on the air base, and we had wanted to do a Bible study and get like a home group. We have the home groups, and we wanted to do one on the air base. And we went to the chaplain and the chaplain, kind of a religious guy, and he told us, no, we couldn't use the base chapel because it didn't be authorized. I said, well, you can authorize it, but he wouldn't do it. He, he was so scared of tongue-talking Pentecostals. So he told us we couldn't do it. Well, we didn't cry, and we didn't complain. We did what we were taught to do. Jesus, you Lord of all. And the devil is trying to stop what we're trying to do. Devil, we rebuke you in this man and we take dominion over you and him and his mama too and anybody else that we can. In the name of Jesus, we command him to be loose. See, when the last time you did something like that? If you're a wife, you can rebuke the devil in your husband. All up in the pastor's office crying. Oh, no, no. Go, he's sleeping at night. Put your hands in the name of Jesus. He'll rebuke your devil. I know what y'all brother's going to do. Be sleeping with one eye open. Listen. You know what happened? That chaplain was moved out by the U.S. Air Force and a new chaplain came in who gave us complete liberty. In the name of Jesus. Folks, that's what happened when you rebuke the devil. You know, the devil likes to hide. They said he was hiding in those sticks. He likes to hide. And I'm almost done, just listen to me. He he likes to hide in them sticks. Some of you heard what was happening the other day when Target was doing all the LGBT clothes. It's been in the news all over the nation. And so people, you know, they, they started coming against and, and boycotting Target. And, you know, I'm glad people boycotting. But y'all heard what came out in the news afterwards that the guy who was the designer for those clothes was a Satanist. And we just think Target was being crazy. 
We think that this major corporation was just being woke. The whole time it was the devil hiding in, in, in the LGBT section and hiding in the car Target corporate office. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And as it began to come out, you realize, oh my goodness, we're thinking that we're just going to vote somebody out and we're going to go in there with a little protest and a sign, you know, and the whole idea is it's the devil the whole time. The devil wants to take over every good thing that God is doing in our life. Well, let me close. See, I'm closing my Bible. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee. The same thing he does to us, God says, we do it right back to him. We were taught years ago when we first started doing crusade ministry and getting out in world evangelism that you know what? We, we reverse the curse, turn it back on the devil. Some of y'all remember that. The devil, whatever the devil do, and say, God, flip it right back on that devil. He said, resist the devil. See, he resists us. And so you resist him. You say, how do we do it, Pastor Marty? I'm going to tell you, when the Bible talks about resisting, it's very powerful. Because what he's talking about is doing something that causes the devil to lose his grip. Now listen to me closely. Says the apostle Paul shook the snake. Now look, look what he's doing. He's on his hand and he's shaking. What is he doing? He's trying to loosen his grip. He's trying to get them fangs out. He's shaking like get, get, get off of me. And the, the, the idea is to get him to dislodge those fangs. So that his grip can no longer hold. So here is what I'm going to leave you with. You've, when we talk about shaking the snake, this is not just some play on words where everybody stand up in the service and die. <laughs> now that would be cute, but the devil, he'll shake too. It's doing things that causes him to not be able to hold on. Like what? Like pray. He messing with you and you start praying. You start to start telling about and you start to pray in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, I know it. And you start praying. You like Pastor Stephen said, in the morning, in the new day, in the night, you're praying. And what that, when you pray, the devil gets nervous and he, he can't hold his grip. That's why people who don't pray are always under the assault of the devil. Things like staying in church. Every time the devil starts moving, folks want to leave church. Where are you at? Well, you know, Pastor, I was going through it. Go through it on the front row. Say amen, somebody. If you're going through it, you go through it with your hands raised. See, the, the, the devil can't hold on to somebody who's a worshiper of God. And if he does, he's got to lose his grip because you're focusing on God, not on him. I was on the airplane coming home and I saw this nature documentary of the, the it was in Africa. I was talking about in Africa, all the, you know, how the lions attack the buffaloes and the zebras and everything. And it showed this lion, you know, the king of the jungle. And he jumped up on the neck of a giraffe. Because you know lions, they, they get, go right for the neck. Now y'all know giraffe got big necks. And that big old long neck ain't nothing but one big muscle. And so this lion, I'm watching it, he jumps up and right on this thing's neck. You know what that giraffe did? He started shaking. And I was like, look at that. And this big old lion started flying. And he jumped back on him again. And that giraffe, that big old neck. And there's a boom. And the lion fly. And after about the fourth time, the lion just looked and said, I'm done with you. 
Somebody say shake the snake. You got to shake him off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't let him hold his grip. And because that he kept shaking, shake that giraffe lived to see another day. We've got the victory in Jesus today. Can y'all say amen? Give God praise with us. Come on. Give God glory. Come on. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me, Father. We thank you tonight for the victory. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.